All right, good morning, 11 o'clock. How are you guys doing? Hey, my name is Savut, and I'm the college and young adult pastor, and I'm so excited to share God's word with you this morning. But before we dive in, I wanna give you guys a quick life update. So uh, in this uh, last week, my wife and I celebrated one year anniversary together. So, so we took an anniversary trip to Florida, and we went to Universal Studios and had a great time. And then we got back, and uh, we got back on Friday night. So Saturday morning, you know, uh, was our anniversary day. And so we are going to breakfast, and we're having a great time, great conversation. We're talking about marriage, talking about things we're looking forward to. And then in the middle of our conversation, Allison looks at me and she goes, can you write me a happy anniversary card? And I'm like, yeah. And then she goes, I'm a words of affirmation person. I'm like, oh, love languages, here we go, right? And so I'm like, okay, words of affirmation. Hey, Allison, you're beautiful, I love you. You are a kind woman, you love people well. And she's like, I want it on paper though, right? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I can get it on paper. So we finished breakfast, we're headed home. Uh, in the car, she goes, so you have until 8 p.m. to give me a card, right? <laughs> I got a deadline now. So we both are coming to church at both services on Saturday night, and uh, it's about eight o'clock, and I'm like, crap, I don't have a card yet, right? So I get a little creative, and here's what I come up with. So happy one-year anniversary. Give this card to her, and uh, she says, thank you so much, honey. That's, that's awesome. Thanks for writing that. Couldn't you have drawn some hearts, right? <laughs> Couldn't you have been a little bit more creative? And then she says after that, she's like, I'm so excited. I'm going to start a scrapbook now, and every year for our anniversary, I'm going to have cards that you write me. So there's some expectations there, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to write your card every year. Uh, and then, so two things I learned from this story. One is my cards can only get better, right, from this. <laughs> it has to go uphill, right, hopefully. And uh, second thing, I told her this too. Don't, so if you're in here and you've been married for a long time, you're probably judging me right now. That's okay. You can send me an email, give me some tips, right? I've already had a lot of people, older couples come up to me and say, man, you gotta get better at writing cards, right? I know that. That's why I'm taking the story. Second thing is, uh, I, you know, I told her, I was like, Allison, next year, I'm not gonna spend a lot of money and go on a trip. I'm just gonna get you a really nice card, right? You can save a lot of money. Let's do it that way. Uh, no, I'm not doing that. Anyways, uh, hey, I'm so glad you guys are here uh, this morning. Uh, we're gonna be in the book of Nehemiah, right? And so before we jump in, last week, Pastor Corey taught on chapter five of Nehemiah. And in this chapter, we see that there is a famine going on, right? And financially, they are having a really challenging time. We see some social injustice going on. And Pastor Corey talked about how we work matters, right? Every season of our lives, Christians, we should be the hardest working people wherever we're at. Right? Everything we do should give God glory, that we shouldn't complain, we shouldn't be lazy people, but we should work hard for God's kingdom. That's the first thing. Second thing we, we talked about last week was we are all called to lead on some level. That means in our church, in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our family, in our classrooms, wherever we're at, Christians are called to lead on some level. You know, he asked two questions last week. Who are we in this for? And whose kingdom are we building? Now, if you're in this room or you're watching online and you're like, I'm building for the kingdom of God. If that's the case, then how we work should reflect that and how we lead should reflect the kingdom of God, Amen. right? So that is what we talked about last week. Now, this morning we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter six and the point of today is gonna to be, what are we focused on? And I can ask that question right now and a lot of things come to mind. 
And many of us need to switch our focus back to the one true God. What, is our fo- what are we focused on and how do we remain focused so that we can have endurance? Man, the church needs endurance. With what's going on in our family, in our community, in our world, we need to keep running the race. It's hard, I get it, but it's worth it. So that's gonna be the point for uh, this morning. So before we dive into Nehemiah chapter six, you, when you walked in, you should've got a notes hand out. Um, everything I'll be saying will be on the TV screens. Uh, and then also all the notes are on the Experience Community app. So let's pray before we dive into God's word. Father, you are good. God, you are perfect and holy. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for knowing us and calling us your children. God, we praise you for the freedom we have to gather and worship. Let us not take that for granted. God, we praise you for the gift we have to open up your word. God, I pray that you would transform our hearts, that you would speak to us through your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, chapter six, verses one through nine. When Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that no gap was left in it, though at that time I had not installed the doors in the city gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent me a message. Come, let's meet together in the villages of the Ono Valley. They were planning to harm me. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing important work and I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same proposal and I gave them the same reply. Sanballat sent me the same message a fifth time by his aide who had an open letter in his hand and in it was written, it is reported among the nations and Geshem agrees that you and the Jews plan to rebel. This is the reason that you are building the wall. According to these reports, you are to become their king and have even set up the prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim on your behalf. There is a king in Judah These rumors will be heard by the king. So come, let's confer together. This is important, church. Then I replied to him, there is nothing to these rumors that you are spreading. You are inventing them in your own mind. For they were all trying to intimidate intimidate us, saying they will drop their hands from the work and it will never be finished. And then he prays, but now my God, strengthen my hands. And so what we know so far in the book of Nehemiah is he was set on his mission to complete this project, to rebuild this wall. And what we know is his enemies did not want that. They wanted to stop the plan. And so they tried with threats and they mocked him. And they realized we can't stop this community, right? We can't distract this community. We can't divide this community. So let's take it to the next level and let's attack their leader, right? So let's make it personal. These these opponents realized that Nehemiah was not only a leader in, in, in this project, but he was a leader for these people to, to bring them closer to God, to make them focus on what really matters. And so he was a spiritual leader for them. He was an exceptional leader. And because of that, he was a clear target to the enemy. Church, this should open our eyes this morning. When we are doing God's work, when we are building his kingdom, we are a clear target to the enemy, Amen. right? And so when people get baptized, one of the things that I consistently pray for is God's protection from the enemy. Because 
when people are getting baptized, they are proclaiming to the world that I'm all in for Christ. And when, when we are all in for Christ, they have a target on their back, right? But praise God that he's with us and praise God that he is still the king and he has not left us, right? So he, we need to run to him and we need to know, God, in these spiritual battles, I love that you're with me. That's what we have to hold on to. We have to stay focused on him. Now, they realize, hey, we can't get to Nehemiah, right? He's a well-protected citizen. So the only way to get him, uh, the only way for us to try to kill him was to get him away from his community. They wanted to isolate him. And so they said, hey, let us meet together on the plain of Ono. So this was a great distance from his family and his community and his church, right? Do we see it here? When we isolate ourselves from the people that love us, from the church, from our families, from our, from our friends that really know us and love us and remind us of who God is, when we isolate, we are vulnerable to the enemy's attack, right? We will give in. So we have to remain strong in community. We can't isolate and run to the enemy's home, home field, right? We have to say, I'm here. This is where I'm at. God is with me. His opponents were persistent, right? So persistent. They didn't know what else to do. So they said, let's try this again. And hopefully Nehemiah will give in. Let's try this again. Four times they sent the same message. And each time, I love this. Look at Nehemiah's response. Each time I gave them the same answer. Why would I come down? Why would I stop what God wants me to do and come down to you? He's persistent in his answer. And why was that? Because Nehemiah was involved in a mission that captured his heart. Guys, we just sang a song that said, "For to the one who gave me life, nothing is a sacrifice. Have your throne within my heart. If we, are, if we believe that, right? If we believe that God has rescued us, then we should want his throne in our heart, right? And we will be so focused and so devoted that we will not give in. We will be persistent. And we have to be church because the world is persistent and trying to distract us. The world is persistent. The enemy, Pastor Corey said the past two weeks, the enemy is here to steal, kill, and destroy you and your families and your relationship with God. And he's gonna be persistent. So we have to be even stronger. And we're only able to do that with the help of God. So are, are we persistent on the mission of God to make disciples who make disciples? So Sanballat attempts this desperate strategy, right? He's like, man, what else can we do? So he looks back at history and say, this worked with King Artaxerxes. Let's send a letter. So he sends this open letter to Nehemiah, meaning others, others could read it. So in our day, that's very similar to a reply all email on accident, right? You guys ever done that? You're in a conversation with somebody, this email is meant for one person, but everybody is included and you accidentally hit reply all. It's embarrassing, right? Everybody will hear about it. So that's what they were trying to do. They wanted everybody to see and hear about what was going on, what was written in the letter so that Nehemiah's reputation would have been destroyed. And so he's in this weird situation here, difficult spot. If he goes and talk about peace, he knows they're gonna kill him. He knows they're gonna hurt him, right? But if he stays, then the rumors will spread and it will get back to the king. So what does he do? Here's what he does. He calls out the lie, right? And, and, and in order for us to call out the lie, we have to know God's truth. We have to know who God is and have discernment so that we can call out the lie. He says, there's nothing to these rumors that you are spreading. You are inventing them in your own mind. So in my life, I've done that before, right? I've called out the lies, 
But here's what I haven't really done. I, ha- I didn't pray right after. And that should encourage us and open our eyes, church, that when we have issues and we can call out lies, when people try to tear down our reputation, but make sure that we are praying diligently. Because sometimes in my life, when, um, if I don't pray for that person or these group of people that hurt me, then I will still carry that bitterness moving forward. And the next time I see that person or the next time a situation like that happen, I will lash out. The same can be true for us. We have to say, God, help me forgive them. God, I need your help. Show me how to love them and remove this bitterness from my heart so I can continue on your mission. All right, so this ambiguous day, I wanna talk about this in a minute, right? But we have to understand, it's absolutely insane what people complain about, right? And you're like, yeah, people suck, right? But we also complain about some ridiculous stuff too, okay? So we are a self-centered and a critical culture. We really are. Look at Google reviews and Yelp. Those are, or Facebook reviews now, right? Those are platforms that's supposed to bring light to like the the business and what they're doing and the good things they're doing. But some people love to put one-star review and just tear down the people, right? Tear down the the organization and tear down the church. And some of us enjoy reading those one-star reviews, right? We love the drama. We love to hear about what all the bad things people are saying, because we are a self-centered and a critical culture. If it doesn't fit what I like, I'm gonna tear it down. Church, it is so easy to point out issues, right? It is so easy to look around and see what is wrong with different organizations or different churches or the world right now, but it is extremely difficult to find solutions, but not just find solutions, but actually be part of them. Because I think in the world, we can say, man, the world is falling apart. Our communities are falling apart. What have we done, church, to be part of the solution? What have we done to go out and make disciples? What have we done to go out and share the gospel? And so the ambiguous day, here's, what, here's the pattern that we've seen, you know, just specifically with our church. I'm gonna use some examples, right? Maybe people have said this, people I'm not, I don't know. But people can say, hey, pastor, the worship team, the music is so loud, too loud for me, right? Which is fine. And then they'll say, hey, pastor, they don't like when you don't wear shoes and you teach right? Or pastor, they don't like that your staff has tattoos. So then what we realize is this pattern over and over, we start to say, hey, tell me who they are, and then I'll listen. Because most of the time, when we say they are saying this, it's actually us. It's actually you, right? It's actually us. We're the ones complaining, but we, aren't, we don't want to own up to it. We don't want to, to bring it up, right? We just want to hide behind the ambiguous they. Now, if Jesus spent time worried about all the negative things that people said about him, and people said some crazy things about him. They mocked him, they hated him. If he spent all of his time on on that, he would have never made it to Calvary. But Jesus was so focused on the Father's will. Father, what do you want me to do, right? And so in our lives, we are gonna have people that hate us. But Jesus said, that's okay, they hated me first, right? And so we cannot, this is the point for this, this slide, guys. We don't need to get caught up in garbage. We have zero time for that, right? Because if you get caught up in garbage, we have lost focus on the mission that God has for us, and that's to make disciples who make disciples. All right, next part, verses 10 through 14. And so I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deleah, son of Mehetabel, who was restricted to his house. And he said, hey, let's meet at the house of God inside the temple Let's shut the temple doors because they're coming to kill you. And he makes it urgent. They're coming to kill you tonight. 
But I said, should a man like me run away? How can someone like me enter the temple and live? I will not go. And I realized that God had not sent him because of the prophecy he spoke against me. Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He was hired so that I would be intimidated, do as he suggested, sin and get a bad reputation in order that they could discredit me. He prays again, but my God, remember Tobiah and Sanballat for what they have done. And also the prophetess Noadiah and the other prophets who wanted to intimidate me. So this guy was shut in at his home and Nehemiah makes a visit and he gives this threatening message, right? And, 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 and he says, hey, they're coming to kill you and they're coming to kill you tonight. It's urgent. You gotta respond. He wanted Nehemiah to panic and make an irrational decision. Man, how many times in our lives have we panicked and made, made an irrational decision? Right? We, we, we did something that we wish we wouldn't have done or we said something that we wish we wouldn't have said. Our tongues are powerful. Our words are powerful. And you can't take those words back. We have the opportunity to, de to destroy someone or to build them up, to tear someone down. And unfortunately, church, we've been more part of tearing people down. So Nehemiah had wisdom and he had discernment. Church, our pastor talks about it a lot. Pray for wisdom, pray for discernment, even more so than ever before. We need God's wisdom. Do we see what's going on in the world? We need God's wisdom. Pray for it. God wants to give you wisdom and he wants to give you discernment. That's what we see Nehemiah had. If we have been praying for wisdom and praying for discernment, when those big decisions come up or those small decisions or those times when we should panic, we will know how to respond. But unfortunately, most of us only pray for wisdom when there's a big decision that we have to make, right? We don't, we don't need to do that if we are consistently asking for it daily. He says, should a man like me run away or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? That was his discernment there. He realized two things. The first is he realized that he had responsibilities to be a leader and to lead this community. And so he's saying, I'm not going, I'm standing firm. This is where I'm gonna be. This is where God has me right now. But he also knew that Shemaiah proposed this violation of the law to cause him to sin. And he knew what God's word says. He knew who God was. He said, I'm not doing that. That's not biblical, right? His response was guided by a devotion to God and to lead his community. Imagine church, if our devotion was to God and to his kingdom, right? We would not get caught up and get distracted. Now, if Nehemiah had given in to their strategy and their trickery here, then he said it, I would have had a bad reputation and I would have been discredited. When we panic, we make dumb decisions. And when we make dumb decisions, the enemy will let us know. The enemy will tell us how foolish we are. We will start to believe those lies and believe that that is now our new identity. When we make dumb decisions and believe the lies, we're gonna to continue to sin and fall deeper and deeper into sin and further away from God and we forget who we belong to. Yeah. We forget who we belong to. We are children of God. Yeah. We belong to the King, right? Some of us need to be reminded of that this morning. So this is an important slide this morning, guys. We need to be careful when we hear the phrase, God told me to tell you. There's so many false prophets in this world now, right? Yeah. God told me to tell you this. 
And they use this to emphasize someone's, their point, right? They use, people use this to emphasize their point. You know, I think about the, uh, some, some pastors out there, and especially the TikTok world, right? TikTok pastors nowadays. Uh, their messages sound so fun and so good and so encouraging all the time, but they did not open up God's word one bit, right? So we have to make sure that we check with scripture. Even when we're teaching up here, guys, check with scripture with every pastor that teaches here. In your life groups, with your family and conversations with your friends, if we have wisdom and discernment, there will be some red flags in some of our conversations, right? And when those red flags come up, go to scripture. If it goes against God's word, it's not from God. And so if God wants to share something with us, he will. If God wants to tell you something, he'll tell you. You know, uh, I've been there before, but I think some of us, we, we want direction. We're like, God, show me what to do with this relationship. God, show me where to go when it comes to this job. We'll say, God, show me, help me, God. I wanna hear from you, but at the same exact time we're doing that, we worship a lot of other gods. We have a lot of garbage, right? And so God wants us to get rid of the garbage so that we can fully hear from him. God wants to be clear with us, guys. And when he tells us what to do, do it. When he tells us what to do, make sure that we are living in obedience. So it is great. It's fine to seek counsel from other people, right? You should have some people in your life that love you and you should ask for help and their advice. That's all fine. But make sure that we are going to God ourselves. So at the end of services, we always say, hey, you guys, you guys can come up and ask for prayer. We would love to pray for you. We would love to pray with you. Guys, that same God that we're praying to is the same God that you can pray to, right? That Father, our God, wants to hear from you. So make sure that we're going to God ourselves and not just asking for prayer, but we are on our knees ourselves praying to. All right, last part here. Verses 15 through 19. So the wall was completed in 52 days on the 25th day of the month of Elul. When all our enemies heard this, all the surrounding nations were intimidated and they lost their confidence for they realized that this task had not had been accomplished by our God. And during those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah and Tobiah's letters came to them for many in Judah were bound by oath to him since he was a son-in-law of Shechaniah, son of Ara, and his son Jehohanan had married the daughter of Meshulam, son of Berechiah. These nobles kept mentioning Tobiah's good deeds to me, and they reported my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to intimidate me. And so in the midst of all the chaos and gossip and slander that's been going on in the book of Nehemiah so far, look at what Nehemiah does. He brings light to God's work. Our church, right? The church should be doing the exact same thing. In the midst of chaos and confusion, there's so much garbage going on in the world right now. We have to remind people who is still king, right? We have to remind people who God is and how do we do that on a practical level? Here's what we do. We do it in our conversations. We do it with how we work. We do it with how we treat others. We do it with how we listen to people's story. That's how we bring lights to, God, to God's work. We have to remind people, hey, God is still in control. People are looking for hope. The church should be the place where they find that hope. And when they find that hope, when they ask about that hope, we should be so excited to share people the gospel. 
And so Judah's enemies, they tried to make Nehemiah and the Jews afraid. But in the end, they were the ones who feared. Guys, this is the truth for all of our lives, right? The world would try to oppose our faith. People would try to make us fearful. People would try to scare us. People would try to tear us down. The enemy would try to destroy you. If we stand firm in our relationship with God, we will be okay. And in the end, he is still king. He is still king now. And one day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. That's what we can hold on to. That's awesome. And so by placing the emphasis on our God in verse 16, Nehemiah goes back to the very beginning of his time of prayer and fasting. He knew from the beginning this project needed to be a God-centered idea or else it would have failed. That's the same truth for all of our lives. Our relationships has to be about God and for God or else it's gonna fail, right? Our jobs, our businesses, our, our, our families, our kids, they have to be about God and for God or else it's going to fail. We have to make it about God, guys. So he prayerfully asked, God, I need help. I need you. I need a team. God provided him with his community and they were united on the same mission. Imagine if the church was united on the same mission, right? Not just this church, but the church. Christianity would not be declining. People will come to know Christ because they see how beautiful Christ is. But many of us, like Pastor Corey said last week, we've, we've, we've been given the light, but we're walking around hiding the light. There's no time for that. We gotta let the light shine. You know, and sometimes we can hear, man, if people could just see God, they would believe. That's not always true. Look what happens here. Even though the opponents faced the reality of God's hand, they knew it. Man, look what their God did. There were some that were still determined to oppose Nehemiah. And so Tobiah and his son, they married into Jewish nobility. Wealthy Jews, they said it had an oath to him. So the wall was completed, praise God for that. But the corruption and the oppression continued. That's the same truth for us in our lives. The mission when it comes to people, when people come to know the Lord, it doesn't stop there. We continue to run the race with them. We continue to walk with them. We don't have time to turn off Christianity. There's no point where we retire as Christians, guys. We have to keep running the race until the end. Keep going. We have to remain diligent. We have to remain focused because there is an enemy looking to still kill and destroy you. And so here's some questions for us this morning. What is our focus? I can, I can tell you, Nehemiah's heart and his focus was about God and the desire to serve and honor God. We've seen how he responds to the enemy's threats. We've seen how he responds to trusting God. But what is our focus? I think many of, our, many of us focus on what's in it for us. What can I get out of this? Many of us focus on worldly success. Pastor talked about it last week, guys. You know what? I'm going to store treasures in this earth. Many of us believe this is all that life has to offer, that this is our forever home. We don't think about eternity a lot because if we did, we would not be storing as much treasures as we have here on earth. And then some of us focus on temporary pleasure. What can make me feel good right now? How can I feed my flesh? That's some of our focus in this room. Now, success in the Christian life requires 
us, the believers, to have a clear understanding of God's word. We have to know what God's word says. And we have to know about his character and who he is. And the only way to do that is to spend time reading and to spend time with him. And if we don't know who he is, guys, we are gonna think everything in this world is good. And it's not, right? We have to know what truth is. We have to have endurance. We need to keep running the race. We need wisdom and discernment. And I think this is the most important one. We have to be dependent, fully dependent on him. Desperately dependent on him and him alone. And I think if, if, if we're in this room, we're watching online and we have a relationship with God, the good news is the Holy Spirit is inside of you. The church needs more of the Holy Spirit, right? We need more of the Spirit and keep it in step with the Spirit. That's what we need. The fruit of the Spirit will come. A clear understanding of God's word will come, but we need to be dependent on him. And so how do we remain focused? Philippians talks about this, not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it, to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Christ. He's the one that's rescued us. He's the one that has given us life. We need to hold on to that in our lives. Think about it. What was your life like if you're a Christian before you met Jesus? Was it, was it great? Did you have a lot of purpose? In my life, it's a resounding no. It was terrible. I was lost. I was confused. Why would I not hold on to the one thing that rescued me, right? And that's what he's doing here. He's holding on, and that's what we have to ask. Have we taken hold of Christ? Have we taken hold of Christ? And if not, what's holding us back? What are, what are we holding on? Does his love compel us? Does his love drive us to love our enemies? Does his love drive us to wake up and say, this is for you, God? What drives us each day that we have been given as a gift? What drives us? You know, we were created to have this love relationship with God and only his perfect love that makes no sense, right? It's confusing. We're like, How, why would God love us? That kind of love is the only thing that can fully satisfy our hearts. And unfortunately, many of us have replaced that with a lot of fake loves, a lot of fabricated versions of what the world offers. And it's gonna to continue to leave us empty over and over again until we get back to our first love in Christ. So these last two slides, uh, they're a little more personal, but maybe some of you guys can relate to this. And, and here's some questions that I have been asking myself because this is where I've been. Anyone else exhausted and tired? Man, this past, past week alone, I've been discouraged. Stuff going on with my family, I've been discouraged. Been tired. I'm confused at what's been going on in the world right now. I'm confused. Are you confused? What's going on? Do we feel lonely sometimes? I feel lonely sometimes. And I'll be honest, sometimes I want to quit running the race. Being a Christian, being a Christ follower is so hard, but it's so worth it. Every single moment is so worth it. And here are some, some steps. I want to give you guys some clear steps on maybe something that you can consider. Ask God, pray for two or three people to live life with you. Disciple makers that will love you deeply, that will walk life with you in the valleys, that will be with you in the mountaintops too. This past week, I, uh, you know, 
was really, really discouraged and I just confused a lot of things in my life. And my wife says, hey, you should call these two guys. Man, they love you. They understand what's going on. And I kept saying, I don't know. I don't want to do it right now. But she kept pushing. And I called. And those two guys, they prayed with me over the phone. They listened to me, right? And they're checking up on me throughout this week. And they're following up. And they love me where I'm at. We also need a community. When you guys walk into this room and this church this size, there's no way that you can get to know people on a deep level. We have to take the next step and we need a small group of people to live life with us. We need a small group of people that really know us. It's so easy to come in, check the box, get out, and, and not, not ever share your life with anybody. It's easy to do that. We need to take the next step to go deeper. We need help. That same, so, so in, in my life this past week and in the many seasons I've walked through, in those moments I, were, I was exhausted and tired and I was confused and I, and I felt lonely. In those moments I wanted to quit running the race, praise God for community. Praise God that there are people that loved me and prayed with me and knew me and cared enough for me to remind me of who God is. That same gift is available to you, but you have to take that step. You have to ask God, have you been hurt by people? Yes, I get it, right? But say, hey, I need to take the step and I need help. Because here's my next question. Doing it by yourself, is that working? Why in the world would we do it alone? People will fail us. That's the truth. The church will fail you. Pastor Corey will fail you. Your spouse will fail you. Your best friends will fail you. Your small groups will fail you. And that's why we ultimately have to find our encouragement from God and God alone. We have to be on our knees saying, God, I'm so discouraged. I'm so lost right now. I need your help. We have to run to God, run to his word, find encouragement from him and him alone because God will never fail. He is able to sustain us, to help us keep running the race because it's worth it. And many of us, including myself, man, I, I have let down my guard. Many of us have let down our guard. We live our lives like there is not an enemy. We live our lives like there is not spiritual warfare going on. Muhammad said it this all weekend. No one's gonna pray for our kid. We need to be praying for our kids. No one's gonna pray for your spouse. We have to be praying for our spouse and for our community and for our church and for our world. Christians, we have to be the one on our knees asking God for help. There is a spiritual battle going on, but praise God that he is king and he's going to win. So hold on to that truth. We're going to face trials. We're going to face oppositions. And when the Bible says, consider all the trials as pure joy, it's only possible with the help of the Spirit. You know, some of us uh, are expecting these big breakthrough moments and that's fine. That's awesome, right? Those moments are great. But because we're so focused on the big breakthrough moments, we have minimalized the importance of daily obedience. One day at a time. Church, for some of us, that means the next 30 minutes, what does God want me to do? The next 30 minutes, God, how can I keep my eyes on you? How can I focus on your kingdom? One day at a time, it makes a difference. Man, I, you know, I shared earlier that we just celebrated one year of marriage and the first six months of marriage was incredibly awesome because my wife and I got down on our knees and we prayed to God every night. 
He said, God, would you be with our family? God, would you be with our friends? God, we need your help in this community, in this world. God, we want to honor you with our relationship. We wanna worship you. And the depth of, our, of my relationship with Allison and the depth of our relationship with God was incredible because we got on our knees and we prayed to God. And on, here's the honest truth, guys. In the past six months, it's been very inconsistent. I have lost focus. I've been distracted. And Allison has been gracious and patient. And she, you know, four times in the last six months have said, sweet, I miss when we pray together. And my response to that was, I don't have the desire to pray. I don't feel like it. And it wasn't until we were leaving on our trip, um, a week before we left on our trip, she experienced heartbreak. She had a friend um, that, that she used to do mission trips with and they loved each other. And this couple, uh, she loved them and they loved her well. And the husband unexpectedly passed away. Out of nowhere, confusion, chaos, heartbreak. And here my wife coming to me, crying, heartbreak. I have no idea what to do, Savut. And in that moment, I knew what to do. Hug her, pray with her, and run to God. But you know what I did? In my mind, in my heart, I said, I don't have the desire to do that. I don't feel like it. Church, I miss an opportunity. I think we miss so many opportunities to do what God wants us to do because we're so focused on our emotions. And we're saying, I don't feel like doing it. We don't have time for that. Right? In my life, I don't have time to say, I don't feel like praying with my wife. Do it anyways. That's my, this is the word that God gave to me in my own life. Savut, you don't have time to do that. You have to do it, right? Do it anyways. Pray, read, surrender, and live one day at a time because it matters. Do it anyways, Savut. I don't feel like it. Get rid of that garbage. Do it anyways. Here's the truth, six months from now, if I'm doing this, right, if I'm praying, I'm reading, I'm surrendering, I'm obedient one day at a time, I will look back and be grateful because I'm able to endure, I'm able to keep going, I'm able to stay focused and I'll be, and I'll be super grateful for God. But unfortunately, the same is true. Six months from now, if we are saying we don't feel like it, I don't wanna do it, we will feel the effects of that we will look back and say, I feel so disconnected from God. I feel far away from God. What in the world is going on? What happened? It's because we've, been, we've not been living life one day at a time with him, trusting him, running to him, even if we don't feel like it. So therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, praise God for that. Let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Guys, there are so many things that ensnare us, right? So many distractions, so many sins that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. And why do we do all these things? Why do we live one day at a time, daily obedience, so that we won't grow weary and give up? Man, many of us in this room, maybe you right now, we are weary. Maybe there are moments we wanna quit running the race. We wanna throw in a towel and say, I'm done. I don't know what to do anymore. Here's my last word to you guys. 
lift up your head, get your eyes back on Jesus, and you'll be okay. Get your eyes back on Jesus, and you'll be okay. Would you guys bow your heads? So I have no idea what storms you guys are going through, but God does. Your father knows you. He loves you. He wants to hear from you. Talk to him. Get your eyes back on him. If you're in this room and you have questions, uh, maybe questions about God and you're not a believer, you have questions about the faith, you need prayer, whatever questions you have, to my right, your left, you can talk to Pastor Isaac. He would love to talk with you and love to pray with you. On both sides of the stage, there's men and women that would love to pray with you. Whatever it is, don't leave here without asking for help. Go to them and ask for prayer. And then in a minute after I pray, I'm going to invite you guys to get up and get communion and then go back to your seats and Pastor Greg is gonna lead us in a time of communion together. Father, you're so good. God, thank you that your love endures forever and ever. God, show us what it is. Show us the garbage in our life so that we can get rid of it, so that we can focus on what matters, and that's you and your kingdom. God, the world is searching for hope, and you are that hope, Lord. I pray that you would remind us of how good you are. Help us get our eyes back on you so that we won't grow weary and tired and want to give up. God, we need you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.